This is Fix It. I'm Kevin. And I'm Nishant. And today, we're fixing the filibuster with U.S. Senator Jeff Merkley, who hails from the great state of Oregon. It's an honor to have a public servant in every sense of the word on the show. I had the privilege of serving as an intern in Senator Merkley's office way back in my glory days. Let me tell you, this guy works hard. He leans on his background in the Oregon legislature, as well as his time as the head of Portland's Habitat of Humanity, to advance innovative policy ideas through the U.S. Senate, which is about as easy as rolling Sisyphus's stone up a hill. Well, Mr. Former Intern, you probably know, Senator Merkley has authored bills on everything from increasing STEM education in public schools to protecting access to Social Security and Medicare. But today, he's helping us dive into an issue that doesn't receive as much attention as it deserves. Thank you for joining us, Senator. Well, you're welcome. It's a pleasure to be with both of you. Senator, can you tell us a little bit more about what the filibuster is and why it's a problem? Sure. A a simple way to think about how the Senate is broken is that throughout its history, amendments were common and a supermajority blockade of legislation was rare. And I use that term supermajority blockade because the filibuster in its modern form is really a misconception. It isn't about people taking uh, hours to talk about issues or days to talk about issues. It's about people saying, we're going to block this bill, and without a supermajority of 60 votes, it cannot proceed. And that blockade has been used to absolutely paralyze the ability of the Senate to move forward on the issues facing America. I mentioned the amendment side because that's equally important. The amendment process meant that every senator had a full chance to participate in crafting legislation, could put any significant issue that the senator or the senator's constituents thought should be addressed before the body to be debated and to be voted on, which creates accountability. What we have in the Senate of today, however, is virtually no amendments and, in almost all cases, a supermajority blockade. Uh, That is the opposite of uh, how the Senate has been. We're trying to restore the Senate to being a functioning legislative body by making amendments common and supermajority votes rare. Now, Senator, if there are any of our listeners who lean more conservative, they might push back and say that removing the filibuster uh, is a nuclear option that would deny the minority party a chance to slow the will of the majority party. How would you respond to those types of arguments? Well, first of all, recognize that uh, the Senate was designed to be a simple majority body. Uh, Hamilton uh, said that if you had a supermajority, uh, it would result in tedious delays and contemptuous compromises. We had Madison saying that the whole basis of a republic is the majority makes the decision, not the minority. So you understand then why it's called a filibuster. The term filibuster is means piracy. It means that the normal course of the majority deciding which way to go has been overtaken by the minority. Now. Throughout our history, there was a courtesy in the Senate to hear everyone speak before you made a decision. That courtesy should always be respected. But it was only turned into an instrument of partisan legislative obstruction in just the last couple decades, uh, certainly within my lifetime. I was an intern myself back in the 1970s for Senator Hatfield. You never saw a supermajority vote, never on motions to proceed. 
never on amendments, and virtually never on final passage. I can assure you that any intern serving today sees the almost a daily use of, of supermajority obstruction. Uh, meanwhile, let's emphasize that amendments as well. The minority is very frustrated, as well as the majority, when they can't participate in the process. And right now, the, the ability of the majority leader to block uh, amendments under consideration is a complete, uh, a, basically a violation of the Senate as a, as a deliberative body. So we've got to fix both pieces together. One really helps the minority participate, the amendment process. Having filibusters or supermajorities be rare means the Senate can actually function to address the challenges America faces. And Senator, given just how broken the Senate is, and obviously most Americans acknowledge that DC needs to function better, can you outline why it's been so difficult to get some of these reforms through? Well, first, it's very hard to get in a, a rules proposition on the floor because the way the rules are set up, they don't allow you to put a rules amendment on the floor if, there, if there's any objection from any other senator. So the majority leader can keep modifications of rules from ever even being debated. So that's an obstacle. Another obstacle is that most senators never saw the Senate when it functioned just a few decades ago as virtually always a simple majority, and they were confused. They, they somehow think that rare amendments and complete paralysis is somehow what the Senate's designed to do, but it was not designed that way, not designed by our founders, not designed that way by the Constitution. The founders warned us against supermajorities. So if we just do a little bit of digging into the history, we will find that very rarely was a supermajority used to blockade uh, being able to have a final vote. Just on, on significantly uh, uh, contentious issues, they went forward by simple majority until, until recently. So that is, uh, that is the history. We've got to restore the way the Senate was designed to function, restore the ability of all 100 senators to participate, and get rid of the ability of the minority to block the majority. Now, by the way, you mentioned uh, those more conservative members who are saying, well, this, we want to keep it the way it is. But they have changed it to a simple majority on the top two Republican choices. They changed it or, or priorities. They changed it to a simple majority on tax cuts for the rich, and they changed it to a simple majority on packing the court, including the Supreme Court. They even reduced the number of hours from 30 hours to two hours for deliberation on district and circuit court judges so that they could put through far more of them in a day and eliminate uh, uh, a consultative, deliberative uh, fashion. Uh, so the Republicans have themselves changed the Senate to a simple majority on their priorities. Why should Democrats accept that Republicans get a simple majority on their top goals, but our goals on health care, housing, education, labor, living wage jobs, equality, the environment, taking on climate chaos can be obstructed uh, by the minority. Uh, that is an unacceptable bias and rigged Senate, rigged for the powerful over the people. If we believe in what we're campaigning on, we need to restore a Senate that works for the people and take away that enormous power of obstruction that Mitch McConnell has on the, on, on the behalf of very powerful 
groups that do not want to see the issues of, of American citizens addressed. And some of our listeners may have also recently heard of the push to make sure there's a simple majority vote for D.C. statehood, what's being called the 51 votes for the 51st state campaign. Can you comment on your thoughts regarding making sure there is a simple majority for D.C. statehood? Yes, it's a very good slogan, 51 for 51. Every other state has been admitted in by a simple majority vote. Why should that not apply to a vote on D.C.? It has more people than two of our states have. So it certainly meets kind of the basic premise for the population standard. It is currently a notion that is part of a broader concept called For the People that takes on gerrymandering and voter suppression and dark money. In the House, it was called H.R. 1. It, it passed overwhelmingly in the, in the House. It had a placeholder for, for D.C. statehood. Now that the House has voted on D.C. statehood, that should become part of this broader For the People bill. But here's the problem in the Senate. The Republicans have caucused and said they're not going to provide a single vote or a single co-sponsor for taking on the corruption of our constitutional system. They are wedded to gerrymandering and voter suppression, intimidation, and dark money because those are sources of power for government by and for the powerful. We take an oath to the Constitution. The very foundation of our system is citizen participation and equal representation. Don't we have an obligation to have a simple majority vote on protecting the Constitution from these, this corruption, this profound corruption that affects every other issue? I think we do. So it should absolutely be a simple majority vote on the For the People package, which should include D.C. statehood. Well, Senator, you've now done an excellent job outlining the problem for our listeners. Let's talk a little bit about potential solutions. Can you share how you've been thinking about addressing this tricky issue from your position as a U.S. Senator? The first step has been to do a lot of consultations. I've met with a lot of Republican colleagues, a lot of Democratic colleagues. Um, and what I have found is Republicans are also very frustrated by the broken Senate. But it has been such a useful tool for their stakeholders, the fossil fuel industry, the drug industry, the Wall Street industry, that, that they do not feel they can take it on publicly, which is an absolute shame. They want to be able to do amendments but they're not willing to stand up to these powerful forces that, that fund the Republican operation. So that is, a, that is a challenge there, which means it's going to be up to the Democrats to, to make the change. In my conversations with Democrats, uh, I'm, I'm hearing more and more momentum to restoring the function of the Senate. Again, it's about restoring the Senate, not changing it, restoring it to the point where amendments are common and supermajorities are rare. There are, both, there are a variety of ways to go about that. There's not one single path. It's not just eliminating the filibuster. You could have eliminated on constitutional issues like gerrymandering, voter suppression, dark money, issues involving just the, the fundamental mechanisms of representation. That would include D.C. statehood. Uh, you could proceed to go to a talking filibuster on other issues, meaning talking through the night. It means it would be much rarer to, to fully obstruct policy going forward, and it'd be much more transparent that you're obstructing from the minority. So that's another possibility. Tom Harkin, when he was in office, a senator from Iowa, uh, he had another proposal, which was uh, over a series of days, decrease the number. So you make sure that there is time for debate, but after a couple of days, if, if there's continuous debate, 
you lower the number and then you lower the number again. So you honor the idea that everyone is heard before you vote, but you don't let the minority turn the supermajority into a, a instrument of legislative destruction. What's really happened here is McConnell has seized on the fact that the respect for hearing everyone out can be turned into an instrument that when Republicans are in minority, they can do maximum paralysis to the democratically majority of the Senate and to a democratic president. That's what this is about. They want to be able to do maximum damage. That just comes from the wrong place. Our heart sh should be in the place of saying, how do we fix problems facing America? Not how do we ensure the, the party in power fails to, to lead the Senate in addressing issues. And Senator, we like to think we have a big listening community, our fixers, who want to contribute to this issue and want to make sure that they're helping restore the Senate as well. For our listeners, what suggestions do you have for how people can get involved, whether it's with their donations, their time? Well, first, they should weigh in with their senators and say, look, the Senate is broken. It's not addressing price gouging. It's not addressing firearm safety. It's not addressing inequality in income and, and wealth. It's not making sure that the uh, healthcare system operates in a more cost-effective fashion and uh, so that people aren't falling between the cracks. We have a housing problem that's not being addressed. The Senate is failing utterly to address the issues that face America, and we want you to fix it. And we want you to fix it so that there is a deliberative process in the Senate, that amendments are common, meaning full participation by senators and putting issues forward, and blockades are rare. Uh, and um, it, there, the, I just think that for uh, senators hearing from people, that is great. When they're doing fundraising, one should say, do you support restoring the Senate to the tradition of, of amendments common, blockades rare? And if you don't support that, you don't have my money, you don't have my support, because what you're doing is buying into a Senate that works by simple majority for the powerful and is basically blockaded from addressing the issues that affect ordinary people. So don't tell me you care about health care and then say you want a Senate where you can get nothing done. Well, that's a great overview of action items for our listeners, senators. And we want to thank you again for joining us. We look forward to our fixers acting on your advice. I'm so glad you have this podcast, and I love the framing of it. Uh, here is the challenge. How do we, we take it on? Because it's certainly clear we have a lot of challenges facing America and facing the world, and so we have a lot of fixing to do. Thank you so much. And thank you, Fixers, for joining us. Learn more about the filibuster and Senator Merkley in our show notes. And is there anyone in your community that's fixing interesting problems? Use hashtag Fixer and tweet at us at Fix underscore cast to let us know. See you next time.